Al-Jazeera podcast. The Indian government is proposing tough measures to clamp down on what it considers fake news. Opposition parties and journalists say it's simply state censorship. What do the plans mean for media freedom? Or are they necessary to stamp out disinformation? I'm Nick Clark, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, so let's bring in our guest now from New Delhi. We are joined by Ashish Shukla, who's a journalist and the founder of Newsbread website. In Mumbai, we have Rana Ayub. She's a global opinions writer at the Washington Post. And in New Delhi, we have Anand Nath, who is the General Secretary of the Editors Guild of India. Should just say, we did reach out to the governing BJP party, uh, but nobody was available. So let's press on. A warm welcome to you all. And Ashish Shukla, if I may start with you, sir, first of all. Uh, so this move, do you support it? And if so, why do you think the BJP think it is necessary? I think we need to first understand uh, whether the media is being blocked or whether the intermediaries of social media are being advised to take down news which they feel could cause trouble and which is a fake news. Now, um, uh, PIB, that is Press Information Bureau, which has been tasked, uh, which has a fact-checking unit since 2019, now they on their own do not have enough men to kind of monitor or censor uh, the spread of uh, news, which most of us find every day in our social media uh, exchange, which we feel are not right. It is not a censorship of media. It is just an advisory by the government to the intermediaries of social media that they should pull up their socks. And when there is a fake news which could cause unrest, and we know there have been multiple instances in recent years, which we would come to later, where fake news has been spread and kind of inflamed to cause uh, um, unrest, violence, lives have been lost. And uh, in, in most dire cases, say in border cases where we have borders in, 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 Bangladesh, in Bengal or in Jammu and Kashmir, it could be a security issue as well. So okay. PIB, let, let me just let me stop you there. I'm going to bring in Rana now. Uh, Rana, what do you make of what you've just heard? There is a need for it. Fake news on social media is there. It is destructive and it is potentially harmful to society. Well, to begin with, I think we must acknowledge that India has a very big misinformation and a disinformation problem, like most democracies around the world, which are dealing with nuisance. And not just the Editors Guild, but also the DigiPub, Digi which is the Association for Digital Publishers, has come out with a very, very strong statement, which, which recognizes that there is a problem of fake news. As my previous, the previous speaker rightly acknowledged that there is a problem where fake news is leading to communal tensions in India, where fake news is leading to narratives um, against people. But given that there are no checks and balances, you know, you have given arbitrary powers to somebody to decide what is fake, who decides, especially when many members of the ruling party themselves have been fact-checked by fact-checking websites over the last couple of years. Every odd day you see a member of the government being fact-checked. We have seen that fake news and WhatsApp forwards, Instagram, TikTok has been one of the, are actually platforms where fake news is viral a lot of times to target uh, minorities, communal situations, 
activists, dissenters, journalists, we are dealing with a misinformation problem. But instead of dealing with the problem, what we have got here is, the, is giving arbitrary powers, I believe, to a nodal agency which will now decide what is fake and what is not fake. And by effect, you will end up censoring news and journalists who you might not agree with. That's what my bigger fear is. What are the checks and balances here? And that is my bigger concern in a year when journalists in India have been at the target of, or at the receiving end of the government. India is now at the 150th position from 142nd in the World Press Freedom Index. At this point of time, in that case, which is why I believe both the Editors Guild or the DigiPub or the journalists who have, who have raise their concerns about this, I think are their absolutely legit concerns. We have to deal with the mess of fake news, but this is not right, the right approach. All right, you mentioned the Editors Guild. Let's speak to the General Secretary, Anand Nath. Uh, so, Anand, uh, the, medium, uh, the media should have freedom of expression, says the government, but not freedom of distortion. So let me let me uh, pick up from where Rana uh, was mentioning the arbitrary powers given to PIB. So uh, let's understand what is the role of Press Information Bureau. It is an agency set up by the government to give information on its activities. It is sort of a PR firm which tells the news media at large on the activities of government, organizing press releases, conferences, so on and so forth. Power to regulate news has been now given to an agency which is not authorized to do that. So first, fundamentally, our issue is that this power, this sweeping powers, uh, without any procedures, without any mandate, without any statutory uh, emphasis for it, has been given to an agency whose uh, core work is to give information about government activities to news media. So that's the fundamental problem. And, you know, then there are, of course, subsequent uh, problems uh, relating to procedures set up. Uh, but those are all uh, secondary uh, uh, to, to the fundamental problem. And Let's also keep in mind Press Information Bureau in the dark days of emergency was the agency that was engaging in censorship. Uh, there was pre-censorship in Indian uh, news media. The, the newspapers and magazines which were under that list had to first get their content verified by PIB and only after the censors approved that would they be allowed to publish that news. That was declared emergency. What the government now has done has taken, uh, you know, uh, has sort of declared, uh, has uh, enacted an undeclared emergency where censorship powers has been given to this same agency, which was so infamously, uh, you know, exercising this arbitrary power back then. And that is the thing, Ashish, isn't it? This is akin to censorship, isn't it? The determination of what is or what isn't fake news should not be down to a government body. It should be down to an independent body, surely. I do not know what is the problem here. I am really confused. Now, this PIB thing, which uh, one of my fellow speakers has pointed out, doesn't have the authority. This fact-checking unit by the PIB was established in 2019. It was done after that government introduced that scheme of Agnipath, where young recruits were to be um, kind of invited to join army for a specific period of time. And misinformation led to huge violence and a very worthy scheme, which everyone has come to acknowledge now, was kind of uh, attempt was made to derail it. What are we fighting here? You see, the PIB on its own cannot clamp down. I mean, how do they clamp down on news? What they are saying is that the intermediaries are to be advised to take down fake news. It is not the mainstream media or the journalists who are being censored. It is the WhatsApp group, like the Agnipath, after the Agnipath scheme was, uh, we, we witnessed those violent uh, scenes around the country. 
some 35 WhatsApp group were found to be propagating false information and which were stoking the violence. And similarly, we have instances very recently when the government found multiple YouTube channels trying to cause unrest and trying to cause uh, so uh, misinformation. Okay, but, PIB, but you I, I understand all of that, but forgive me for interrupting, but the bottom line is that, that the question I pose to you is, why can it not be an independent body, independent of the government? Because otherwise, it's very easy to make the criticism yeah. that this is about controlling uh, public opinion in the government's favour. We all know how sensitive the issue of social media is, so why not just make it an independent body? You see, even if you make a body, this PIB thing, which is in the bone of contention at the moment, in its own, they can't kind of monitor the entire social media. It is not kind of some overreaching dystopian body uh, which is trying to monitor what is happening on social media, which nobody could do it. In fact, it invites people like you and me and everyone else to pitch in where they feel some information is being fed, which is not good, which is wrong. See, fake news must be stopped. And who does it? Now you say you appoint an independent body which decide and which... They are not asking the newspapers to take down the news report. We have instances where newspapers are told that this uh, uh, news is fake or this needs clarification, then the newspapers duly carry the corringendum. It's a mutual kind of interactive thing. And that's why the people's freedom is not being curbed. They can do whatever they want. But in case there is a clear case of violation, there is a clear case of trying to stoke trouble in a, in a, in a very volatile uh, uh, atmosphere at okay. times in a hugely populous country, uh, all the government is, is, is saying that intermediaries, please take it down. Intermediaries means Facebook, social media, all, right. all the social media. Understood. Like Facebook, Understood. Twitter, let, let me bring in Rana there. Rana, I can see that you want to come in. No, I was just a little amused because, uh, are we, um, you know, it feels like we are living in an ideal world in India. Unfortunately, we are not living in an ideal world in India. We are living at a time when most of the mainstream news channels have become enablers of propaganda, where the government of the day deems every article critical of it as propaganda. So when something like this comes into picture, why are we not to be worried that government will deem everything critical as fake news? Where, how, how is one assured? I think what Anand was also rightly pointing out, how are we assured that as media in India, especially independent media, which already bears the brunt of the government when, when spokespersons of the government have called us agents of, of all sorts of names. Um, how are we to be assured that today the government is not using this to curb critical stories? We're talking about WhatsApp forwards, the kind of WhatsApp forwards that come to us in the form of tweets by members of the ruling party that in their very nature are fake. Will the government do any introspection of its own? Will the government stop fake news which is being peddled by its own party officials? I mean, if you if you go on any if you go on any fact-checking website, before I came onto the show, I checked Alt News, Boom Life, and two other fact-checking websites. Some of the top fact-checks news stories were our BJP spokespersons and leaders. Should why should we not be worried in a country where journalists are the new enemies of the state? I think we have every reason to be worried because, like Anand has pointed out, that this 
it the PRB, which is a body which is absolutely like a PR body of 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 the government, um, it it its only purpose it looks like is to sanitize the news that the government wants. And this is I I feel like it should not be seen in isolation. Uh, the amendment to the uh, the draft amendment should not be seen in isolation. Very recently, the law minister in India has advised the Supreme Court Collegium that it wants one of its own members of the government to be a part of the Supreme Court Collegium. So they are trying to have this interference in all independent bodies, and it's a pattern, which is why it's equally worrying for all of us. Okay, actually, so I'll let you come back to that in a second. But Anand, I just want to come to you. Do you think, is there enough support around to counter this proposal to, to not allow it to pass? Uh, so let me just first correct what Ashi said, that he's, he's, uh, he's been alleging that this is an advisory that PIB will give. This is not an advisory. The wording of the amendment is very clear that all intermediaries will take reasonable uh, uh, efforts to bring down uh, the content. So it is a takedown. It's almost an instruction. And in fact, uh, it is also the problem reasonable. is somewhat in his answer as well. Yeah. I think, I think let's be very clear that uh, the instruction is to take it down. Uh, uh, so, so they, this is nothing short of taking it down. It includes all intermediaries, not just social media platforms. It also includes, uh, you know, Google, AWS, so, so uh, intermediaries that post our websites. So it has a fairly carte blanche, uh, you know, sweeping powers given to PIB. Secondly, uh, you know, the problem, of course, uh, you know, again, this is the second layer of problem, what Ashish himself has pointed out, that PIB doesn't have the strength to sort of fact check, even if, they, even if somebody was to give this kind of an authority. We know that the government will use it selectively, what Rana has said. Uh, they will filter some kind of news. They will not filter some kind of news. But anyway, that's, that's uh, again, going to second uh, uh, level of problem. The question was, why couldn't this be done with an existing body, which is an independent body? Something like Press Council of India, which is a quasi-judicial body, responsible, answerable to the parliament, uh, in which even that body doesn't have the authority to take down content. They can issue reprimands. They can issue fines. Whatever has been the procedures, even the Section 69A, I mean, the IET Act itself, which has the power of block, uh, uh, blocking content, the Supreme Court judgment in the famous Shreya single case had uh, come out with a, uh, with, a, with, a, with, a, uh, with a judgment that power to block down has to be at the back of a very elaborate procedure where even the person, the, uh, the originator of content is given a chance to present their case. And then also there is a step, very elaborate procedure. This one is a very simplified procedure given to a body, which is part of the executive. Furthermore, it has also been mentioned that not just PIB, any authorized, any agency authorized by central government, which we don't know what it could mean in years to come, plus any power to take down with respect to business of central government. Basically, it's giving authority to PIB uh, or in, uh, okay. you know, uh, to to uh, to to side down uh, you know any reporting which is regarding government affairs can also be brought down. So okay, this is, uh, this is plenty more to discuss. So we, we need to move it on, but but actually, just just briefly respond to that if you would first of all, uh, Ashish Shukla. I personally feel uh, that much hullabaloo uh, uh, is is being done on on a non-existential issue, really, in the sense that. Who is being hurt here? If the fake media, who controls the fake media? Who controls the wrong news, which could cause, which could cause lives to be lost, families to be destroyed? And a body is seeking advice from we only, the citizens only, to tell us where this such news emanate. It is not the newspapers which are uh, the center of government's attack. Uh, okay, I, I personally... all right. You've made this this point before, so let's let's move it on now. You mentioned newspapers, Ashish. Uh, you would. I think agree that uh, an independent and free press 
is the hallmark of any modern democracy, right? Yep. Has India got one right now? I think India has been a phenomenal uh, uh, free uh, uh, press we have. I personally feel I have been in England recently. I was in England last month, and I couldn't access a lot of websites. And there, nobody raised a hue and cry about the freedom of press or you no know, press being muzzled. So okay, so India, India, has, India has a good uh, example a of a free press. Okay, now that's, that's, that's all the answer I wanted. I just want to bring in Rana to, to respond to yeah. that now because she's keen to jump in. So Rana, uh, I, so what, what it, do you make of that? For you to ask, yes, is it possible for you to ask Ashish that as a journalist, does he not find it problematic that the prime minister of the world's largest democracy has not taken a single press conference in the last eight years? I need to understand what kind of press freedom is this. I need to find out if a journalist called Sadiq Kapan, who has been behind bars for the last two years under terror charges and money laundering charges for a story he did not report. I want to see what kind of press freedom is that. I want no, to know let me, if there's a journalist facing in Chhattisgarh who's been behind bars who was snooped upon with Pegasus. He has been he has been behind bars for the last seven months on charges of terrorism. What kind of press freedom are we talking about, Mr. Shukla? I mean, I would believe that you would agree with me that the prime minister of the country needs to address the media. Eight years, eight years and not a single press conference. I'm sure we are decent journalists, right? Okay. Thanks, Rana. Yeah. Ashish, uh, respond to that, please. Now, I, if, I think if the entire debate is hinging on whether the prime minister addresses the media or not or opens himself to media or not, I think it is just being too touchy and... and shrinking velvet on the issue. Now consider, now consider this, Manmohan Singh for eight years, not even opened his mouth. Where was the hue and cry about those years of Congress when Manmohan Singh never addressed the media at all? Even now he's revered. I mean, that you look at the work the man is doing, media has been telling, has been saying things to Modi and about Modi, which is like, uh, burning oil in one's year. I mean that they are abusive. They are, and and there has been no punitive action taken by this government to say that media is being muzzled by Modi when there has been no instance. I mean that the state government would um, uh, uh, Rana tell me uh, what would she say uh, was happening in in, in Bengal when Mamta Banerjee was pulling people from all over I the country? Enough, sir, I am old enough to realize that that the media hauled Mr. Manmohan Singh over the coals during the Colgate and during the 2G and during the Adarsh scam when I myself did an entire investigation on the Adarsh investigation no, in India. No, I am no, old enough no, to no. also know, and I'm young enough to also know, sir, that the front page newspapers, uh, uh, front page of all news to, uh, of the Washington Post, very recently was an investigation on the Adanis. I also, I also am very much aware that there are crucial stories, including a BBC documentary yesterday, which the mainstream media is not reporting. You want to tell me, sir, Mr. Shukla, do you not watch the mainstream media yourself? It is an extension. Of, it is an extension of the government. Ashish, just uh, just wait a second. Uh, just, I just, there's something else. Let, let's, Ashish, just one second. I just want to get uh, Rana just to talk about one thing, just very briefly, because we're running out of time. We've only got three or four minutes left of the show. Just tell us very briefly the kind of things that have happened to you uh, as a result of your reporting. Well, I think what has happened to me is uh, just next week, I have multiple court summons. On next Monday, I have a court summon for an article I wrote in 2009 where the accusation against me, me accused number two, is I'm a practicing Muslim, hence prejudiced in my observation. I have, uh, I have, um, I have an FIR registered against me in the state of Karnataka 
for an appear for an appearance on BBC where I'm accused that my television appearance has polarized India on the lines of communal uh, uh, on on uh, uh, and basically I'm polarizing Indians on communal lines. I have been uh, I there's an FIR against me in Ghaziabad where I have been charged for a tweet where I'm where I'm accused of spreading fake news where exactly what I tweeted was published by almost every news publication. I have at least seven different cases that I'm dealing with right now. So I really want to live in the same world that Mr. Ashish lives in. And unfortunately, I don't have the privilege. Okay, Ashish Shukla, Ashish Shukla. So it doesn't sound like uh, India's you know, thriving arena of media freedom? No, no the one thing which, which, which Rana hasn't pointed out is uh, I'm not saying that she really embezzled the money she had gathered uh, for a public cause, but there has been, we have been hearing about the money which was collected from public funds and uh, which accounts don't add up. So, okay, we don't want to get into specific issues, specific issues here. Yeah. Actually, let, let me no, just take it off. Yeah, yeah. I need to, to move across to Anna. I need to move it across. Guys, we just need to stop a second. I need to move across to Anna. So we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Anna, so your overview of the, the state of press freedoms on the whole in India, tell us where we're at. So, you know, uh, picking up from what Rana uh, was mentioning, the number of cases that have been lodged against her, I see this as a structural problem, irrespective of the government or the party in power. The problem, the reality is that Indian media operates on a very cumbersome legal framework where there are enough and more exceptions to freedom of speech, which have been uh, which have been given in our fundamental rights itself, in the constitution itself, uh, ranging from sovereignty to obscenity to hate speech and so on, it's communal violence, so on and so forth. And as a result, there is an elaborate structure of laws uh, on offensive speech uh, uh, laws, hate speech laws, criminal defamation, official secrets act, UAPA sedition, sedition which has been put in abeyance uh, uh, last year by the, by the Supreme Court. But the reality is these laws are used uh, very uh, liberally by whichever government is in power. Some governments are more respectful of it, some are not. And yes, there are instances where state governments have been extremely, uh, you can say, draconian while using these laws because police comes under the jurisdiction of a state government. And th this is a problem that sort of transcends governments or parties. Uh, and the reality is that media operates under a very vulnerable, extremely cumbersome legal uh, 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 system, which makes the current law even more problematic because there are already enough and more laws that are used every day to impinge uh, press freedom, including independent journalists like Rana. But they are the ones which are far more vulnerable. And on top of that, the government is making the procedures even more easy lately. And this government especially is uh, is using those laws with great advantage for muzzling uh, free speech. Well, no doubt these uh, discussions could continue uh, for many more hours, but unfortunately we've run out of time. I do appreciate that. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, thank you to our guests, Rana Ayub, uh, Ashish Shukla and Anand Nath. Thank you so much. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Aiseba Mutlu. Imran Ullah Khan and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Phil Morrison and the program was edited by Anil Anandan, Lynn Gwynn and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Monday for our next edition.